We're very thankful today to be joined by Illinois State Senator Terry Bryan. Terry, thank you for your time as always. Oh, my pleasure. It's uh, always good to be on your show. We read the press release the other day, but we want to ask you about it. The Chester Bridge is going to be getting a new name, and uh, groundbreaking is uh, going to happen very soon. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, so each of these uh, bridges that you know cross between two states uh, alternate, believe it or not. In this time, it is Missouri's turn to pay for the full bridge. Uh, we had to pay for the uh, approach on the Illinois side. This all got jammed up a couple of years ago. Uh, Missouri was ready to go on the bridge, and anybody that's driven across the Chester Bridge in the last couple of years knows that it it's scary to go across it. So we all agree that the bridge needed to be built. Illinois, if you remember, was in a budget impasse, so we were not able to buy up the property and stuff that was needed on the Illinois side, and Missouri got tired of waiting for us, so they moved on to other projects. Now we're at a place where we're all on the same page. Illinois has uh, done their part uh, to make this all happen. Missouri already uh, broke ground, but tomorrow is the official groundbreaking ceremony. It'll be on the Missouri side. Uh, but we wanted to have a name for the bridge, a better name than just calling it the Chester Bridge. And, of course, the, the Perryville side doesn't want to call it the Chester Bridge either. But uh, there's a, a gentleman that many uh, many will know, uh, the name Don Welge. Uh, Don's the owner, was. Uh, he's passed now, but his family still owns Gilster Mary Lee. Uh, that is a huge employer, both on the Illinois side and on the Missouri side of the river. And so uh, we wanted to name the bridge the Don Wilgie Bridge. But as is always the case, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved. You have to pass a resolution on the Missouri side uh, in their legislature and also on the Illinois side. Missouri got theirs done about a year ago. Uh, Representative Freeze got his part on the Illinois side in the House done last spring, but we were just not able to get the Senate leadership to call the bill last spring on our side in time to end the session. So I was promised it would get called during veto session. Uh, and the, actually, they scared me a little bit. The, um, uh, the Democrat side, they're the, you know, the majority side, so they get to decide what gets called. And really at the last minute, uh, President Harmon allowed the bill to be called. And so we were able to get the resolution passed and it will now be known as the Don Welge Bridge. Pretty proud of that. Well, yeah, Don Welge was a great business leader and someone that I only had the opportunity to meet a couple of times. But I know that he was well respected across a large swath of the community, people of all ends of uh income levels uh you know he was just a very approachable old school type of, of person and so you know southern illinois has been better off because of him yeah and you know he worked so hard to bring about that bridge and to make it um beneficial for both the city of chester and the city of perryville missouri uh they uh we have folks who live on both sides of the river who work on the opposite sides of the river and then we also have uh, as far as agriculture goes uh remember that uh, part of illinois is still on the other side of the mississippi river i think a lot of people forget that it's really a weird sensation when you are going over to uh kaskaskia island and there's a place where your gps will say now entering missouri 
And then a couple of minutes later, it says now entering Illinois again, and you're still on that western bank of the Mississippi River. So uh, there's a portion of Illinois on that side. So we have farmers who own land on Illinois, on the, on, I'm sorry, on the east side of the river, and then also on the west side of the river. And um, I guess it's not funny, haha, as um, one of the former anchors on this show used to say, it's not funny, haha, it's funny, weird, <laughs> that you can be fishing over on that side of the Mississippi and get a, a ticket from IDNR because you're not following the Illinois laws. A lot of people think they're fishing in Missouri because um, they're on that side and they're still in Illinois. So anyway, uh, Don... Don uh, Welge really understood the significance of tying uh, Missouri and Illinois together in in this region. Because otherwise, you've got to drive uh, either up to the St. Louis area or you have to drive to Cape Girardeau. And that, you know, as we've known the couple of times that the Chester Bridge has been closed, it is a nightmare uh, to try to get to the other side of the river if that bridge is not functioning. And honestly... It must still be safe enough to drive across because uh, the, you know, IDOT and MoDOT have allowed it to stay open. But I'll sure breathe much easier once the new bridge is open. And it's going to be beautiful. It'll basically look just like the one in Cape. You'll be able to uh, take heavy equipment across it again. There's a, a, a really important rock quarry that is on the Missouri side of the river. And we get some of our rock from that side of the river. So uh, this is this is a, a great day for Southern Illinois when we finally get that bridge finished. So tomorrow uh, at 11 o'clock is the official groundbreaking. I'm sure there'll be a huge crowd there. It'll be on the Missouri side of the river. Terry Bryant, State Senator, is with us today. We're talking about the Chester Bridge. Uh, you just returned from a trip to Europe, and it was a, a fact-finding mission of, of sorts. Tell us what that was about. Yeah, so there, uh, some folks will remember a board uh, in an, uh, an institute at SIUC that they used to call the Clean Coal Board. Now, I love coal, but not everybody does. And so when you have the name coal in an organization, it sometimes make it, makes it hard to get funding under the uh, present conditions of the country and of the state. So the name was changed to the Advanced Energy, Re uh, I'm sorry, it's the Advanced Energy Institute at SAUC, and it is uh, governed partially by the Advanced Energy Resource Board, of which I serve as the chair. Uh, that is a legislative body. Uh, made it's bi bipartisan and bicameral, so Senate and House members, both Democrat and Republican. And uh, our purpose is to find ways to produce energy in a clean and efficient way. Well, SIUC wants to put up a research facility on uh, what used to be called the Carterville campus. So it's uh, in Carter, the address is Carterville, about 130 acres there. Before they build the structure, where we would look at better ways to uh, collect solar energy and not damage our good agricultural lands. Uh, so if you, you know, you drive around Southern Illinois right now, it makes a lot of people angry when you see those solar panels on really, really good uh, ag land. And we all believe that there's a better way to do it. Well, Europe is about 10 years ahead of us and five years really in super good research. Uh, we started in the Netherlands, went to Belgium, Germany, France, ended up in Spain, then came back to the United States. What we saw over there were solar panels and solar structures that are 10, 15, 
23 feet in the air with uh, plexiglass solar panels in many cases. Uh, some of them are called bifacial, so they're collecting energy from the sun above, but they're also collecting energy that's reflected from plants below. They're high enough that you can actually drive a combine under them. Uh, they're doing a little bit of research in Germany on uh, the ability to produce wheat under solar panels right now. Don't believe they've moved yet. We didn't see any uh, where there's soybeans or corn, but great strides on specialty crops, apples, pears, nectarines, pomegranates. Uh, we have vast acres of vineyards in Southern Illinois. They're doing great work with vineyards there. And uh, I think your listeners would be really interested to know that the things that, that I saw um, were stuff like 40% more uh, moisture in the soil below the panels in, in all five countries that we visited and under each kind of panels. So uh, 50% or sorry, 40% more water under the panels, 10 degrees warmer in the winter, 10 degrees cooler in the summer. In one place that we went to that was an organic farmer, he hasn't put pesticides on his uh, vineyards or orchards for almost seven years. Uh, takes half as much nitrogen. So you don't have as much nitrogen uh, being washed off and going into our water supply. One place was actually collecting rainwater that comes off the panels and um, they separate the nitrogen from the water itself and then they can reuse that nitrogen. I think a lot of, a lot of those who uh, have to put nitrogen on their, uh, on their crops would be happy to know that there's research being done that would uh, cost 50, you know, that would take 50% less nitrogen. It also protects our water source. It was just win-win all the way around. Um, there's still a lot of skeptics out there, I think. You know, we're not at a place, like I said, where we can do row crops yet. But it was very encouraging to see that um, uh, other countries are are ahead of us. So I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm not happy they're ahead of us, but I'm happy that we don't have to, we really don't have to make the same mistakes that Europe made 10 years ago. We are making those mistakes now in some of, some of these really large solar fields. And I think if we just stop and take a breath, we can see that that uh, we don't have to make those same mistakes, that we can actually start from where they have, where they're at now and move forward. So I'm really encouraged by that, really encouraged by SIUC's forward thinking in putting up this research center. And I can't wait to see uh, what they do with this in the future. And of course, we know that uh, Illinois is going to be a target for a, a lot of expansion when it comes to solar developments because of the lucrative nature of uh, the incentives available in Illinois for those projects versus other places. Yeah, that's, you know, so we say incentives, we, subsidies, is incentives or subsidies is what is happening right now. Uh, the industry cannot stand on a, on its on its own. Uh, we are subsidizing that industry, and uh, I, you know, as I've said on here before, I'm an all inclusive energy person. I'm the ranking Republican or the minority spokesperson on the Energy Committee. I take that very seriously. I want us to be using coal. I want us to be using natural gas and oil. Uh, to that end, I'm making a lot of visits at different places. I just visited a place uh, in um, Joliet, Illinois, that they refer to as a Black Start facility. And uh, that's so that that area is on the PJM grid. There's we're on in Illinois. We're in two different 
energy grids. One is up around the Chicago area. That's PJM. It's um, basically like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, and up into Chicago. We're on the MISO grid. That's 10, uh, I believe it's 10 Midwestern states. Uh, but that Joliet facility is known as a black start facility. So if a nuclear facility goes offline, um, you, you could see vast uh, swaths of Chicago without uh, any kind of energy. And that's going to that's gonna create some real problems for the whole state if that happens. So what is a black start facility? That is a, a natural gas facility that has generators that restart the nuclear facility. The other thing I found out is to start the natural gas, you have to have a diesel generator. So you got a diesel generator starting a natural gas generator starting a nuclear facility so that you can have energy in one of the largest cities in the country. And I think environmentalists don't talk very much about the fact that we still need diesel. We still need coal. We still need natural gas. And furthermore, you know, I represent uh, White County, which has vast oil reserves. We sit on the Illinois, uh, Indiana oil basin. Uh, and so we need to be thinking about those things, thinking outside the box. Solar is going to be something that is a wave of the future, but we can only subsidize these things for so long. And then we have to have realistic ideas and views of what we do going forward. And we certainly can't take food out of production. One last thing on, on this, and then I'll uh, be quiet so you can, I'll take a breath so you can talk. But, you know, in Germany and France, they understand that you have to put agriculture first because we have to eat. And here we seem to have lost track of the fact that you have to protect agriculture and then also have energy. So their laws say agriculture first, energy second. And uh, I'm going to be looking at a bill to uh, move that concept forward. Once again, Terry Bryant is with us. And Terry, you uh, have a primary challenger, and I don't mean this to be flippant, but I could not remember their name. Um, uh, well, I'd like to not say his name. But uh, I, I will because folks have a right to know that his name is Wesley Cash. He's a young man from Jefferson County. And um, I'm leery of anyone who just pops up from seemingly nowhere to run. But this young man uh, has been running around the district saying that I am pro-choice. And that's offensive to me. Your listeners know that I'm pro-life without exception. I have been endorsed by the Illinois Right to Life uh, since I started running in 2014, I'll get their endorsement again this year. I have an assurance of that. Uh, and so I think we have to be real leery of folks who just pop up out of nowhere and say that they're going to run for office. I uh, intend to continue to work hard for Southern Illinois, to put Southern Illinois first. And uh, whether people agree with a vote that I've taken or disagree with it, I'll come home and explain my vote and you'll never get a lie out of me. So um, moving forward, I hope to straighten out some of these falsehoods that that young man is spreading and hope that uh, your listeners listeners will remember uh, that uh, Second Amendment rights, uh, pro-life uh, rights are um, at the top of my agenda. Terry, the fall veto session, at least the first three days of it, came and went without much um, really to report. There has been some... I tempest in a teapot stuff about the Invest in Kids Act, uh-huh. which I think is a good piece of legislation. It helps expand some tax credits for uh, people that donate into a program that helps underprivileged kids have some right to school choice. Um, but 
beyond that, um, and I know that you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, was there anything else of note? Well, I think, you know, we have one more uh, three-day session uh, starting November 7th, I believe. So it'll be like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of that week. I expect that we could see a bill again on the small nu- uh, small modular uh, nuclear um, reactors. And I just want to remind everyone again, those are not the reactors of our youth or our parents or grandparents. Sometimes we refer to those as the as the new nukes. They're, um, they're the same nuclear reactor that fuels our uh, submarine fleet for the U.S. Navy. Um, lots of data showing that we can use them in a safe uh, manner. So I expect, uh, I don't expect that the, the bill that the governor vetoed will get called because there's enough votes to override his veto. And he's not going to want that bill to be called. Uh, so Senator Rezin has filed another bill with basically the same language that the governor says that he wants. And uh, I do expect that that bill could get called. So we'll have to watch that. That will be very important to Southern Illinois going forward because once they shut down our coal facilities in 2035, and it so far doesn't look like we're going to be able to reverse that trend, we're going to need energy in Southern Illinois. And although wind and solar might be a small component to that, they still only make up two to four percent of our energy uh, in in Illinois. And so we're going to need those uh, small modular nukes. And so I hope that that gets called. On the investing kids issue, uh, the opponents of the investing kids bill basically are saying that that will that that takes money away from public education. I do not support vouchers for schools. Our constitution, uh, the Illinois constitution says that we have a responsibility to fund public education. So I believe very strongly in taking our dollars and using those in public education. The Investing Kids program is not a voucher. It's a scholarship program. So individuals can donate and get a tax credit for the donation, but then scholarships are granted to kids in our area that would go to uh, generally uh, religious schools. I think there are some other private schools, but primarily we have some uh, independent Christian schools, some Catholic private schools, some Lutheran schools, and so forth. These are kids that would not ordinarily get the opportunity to go to a private school. So a couple things in that. One is I think that we have a right to attend uh, uh, religious schools if that is the parent's choice to do that. This is a way to do it without taking money away from public education. And I say that because under the new school funding formula that we passed just a couple of years ago, there's a hold harmless uh, component to that funding formula. So in theory, in essence, what happens is if a kid leaves the public school and goes to a private school under one of these scholarship programs, it doesn't take $1 away from public schools because there's a hold harmless in that funding formula. So you've, uh, in essence, you have reduced the class size in the public sector, which is a better education for those kids. And it is also allowed for a, a, a kid whose parents are already paying property taxes. So they're paying into public education, but it also gives them a chance to go to private school where, you know, often there is a disconnect between what public schools are teaching and what people want their children to be taught. And so until we're able to fix what's being taught in the public schools, uh, this is an option that doesn't take money away from public school funding. So I hope that the Investing Kids Bill is called. If it is, I'll be voting for it. 
Uh, and I hope that uh, people will sit down and really take a look at uh, what the program really is instead of lot, listening to all the talking heads that are around them. And Governor Pritzker has said that um, he would sign whatever bill that the legislature might bring to his desk in regard to the Invest in Kids Act. Uh, so there's that aspect of it as yes. well. Uh, Senator Bryant, we thank you so much for your time. We hope you have a great day. Uh, you as well, Will. Uh, uh, hello to everybody out there.